Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 108. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Chris Waller. The Washington-born musician and producer is one of the founding members of Death Cab for Cutie and has produced records by Tegan and Sarah and Youth Group. In today's episode, we're speaking with Chris about how he picks the projects he works on, future solo music from himself, and the anniversary of the photo album. Here we go. Our guest today is an incredible musician, composer, and producer. He's one of the co-founders and the original guitarist for Death Cab for Cutie, but has also produced some of the biggest indie records of the last 15 years, including The Decemberists and Tegan and Sarah. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Chris Waller. Good morning, sir. How are we? I'm pretty good. How are you, Simon? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, happy to do it. Now, uh, I believe that it is... Early, not too early, but early morning where you are in, in Norway at the moment. Yeah, it's just after 9.30. Yeah. Beautiful. What's it, uh, what's it like there this time of year? Um, well, it's uh, pretty drippy at the moment. Um, yeah, it was uh, frozen for a few days and now it's, it has thawed again. and it's, So we're just above freezing and a lot of rain. So about what you'd expect, I suppose. <laughs> I feel like you've gone a long way from Seattle to kind of experience Seattle style weather. Yeah, it's a uh, kind of the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what uh sorry, not what how has Norway done in terms of um the pandemic in terms of uh, festivals and and music and and shows being able to be played? Mhm. Uh Norway has done well, in terms of the pandemic itself, Norway has done pretty well. Um, I'd say that we, uh, yeah, I think pretty pretty well. You know, we had the big initial lockdown like everybody did um, sort of really early on before anyone knew what was happening. Um, but it got back to some semblance of normality pretty fast, and there have been very few... Um, you know, there haven't been any like really big, uh, sustained outbreaks. Um, but that said, they, part of why that's true is that they did keep a lid on, um, group events. 
So there really weren't any, um, there weren't any big concerts to speak of or festivals or anything like that. And they've only just, uh, started to, um, to allow that stuff again. So, so yeah. Is the music scene similar there to, I guess, what you would have experienced in, in Seattle? Um, I, uh, no, it's really not. Uh, so there's a lot of big differences with Norway. Norway is really different from city to city. Um, you sort of find that like each of the cities has its own, really has its own, um, kind of flavor locally. Like, uh, Bergen tends to be kind of the, um, sort of iconoclastic alternative stronghold, um, Tromsø, I lived in Tromsø up in the Arctic for a couple of years. Tromsø is a real, like, uh, kind of an amazing punk rock town. And there's a lot of really cool experimental electronic stuff that happens there. Um, and Oslo is, like, as you might expect, it's just kind of a big mix of um, uh, really forward-leaning pop stuff and, like, kind of Brooklyn indie sensibility. Um, and then where I am in Trondheim is, uh, this is, uh, the big conservatory in Norway's here. And this is like a slamming jazz town. Um, and there's just like some of the best players I've ever been in a room with here. It's like kind of bonkers, but it's also a little, it's been a little confusing for me to navigate. Cause like, I'm not <laughs> really a jazz guy. So, <laughs> um, so it's it's really different. And then one of the other things that makes it quite different is that um, because artists and musicians are so well supported by uh, the state, you you really don't have the kind of um, uh, I mean, you don't have the, the like there's there's no starving artists here. Let's just put it that way. Um, and, and there's not the kind of like, kind of the, uh, that like desperate slog that you get in the American, uh, cities. And, and so it makes, it does a lot of things. I mean, the quality of living is just like great. It's just a nice place to be. Um, it also means that, um, like aesthetically and artistically, you get really different kinds of expression, like you don't really get the kind of, um, uh, like, you know, you don't get stuff like grunge <laughs> like here. I mean, you had, you know, there was the, the Norwegian black metal scene in the nineties, but that was like such a different kind of, um, just like coming from such a different place. So it's a, it's a really interesting, uh, it's an interesting place. It sounds fascinating. It kind of sounds yeah. like there is no, um, as we discussed here from Seattle, that Seattle obviously mm -hmm. has a range of different artists, but is known for a certain genre or something where it sounds like it's kind of yeah. hard to pinpoint an exact um, one genre that kind of lives in that town that it sounds like it's got a good cross section of everything. Mm hmm Chris, I was wanting to talk to you today. Uh, a lot of people might know your work as one of the co-founders and uh, guitarist for Death Cab for Cutie. But mm -hmm. um, I was wanting to talk to you today a little bit about that, but as well as your producing work, um, because you are uh, quite well known, if people aren't aware of it, uh, as being a producer as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Uh... 
Yeah, I sort of got into it all at the same time. I mean, Death Cat for Cutie was sort of a, uh, it, it kind of began as the extension of a, you know, sort of a recording project experiment with Ben. And um, I, I was, you know, it was one of a handful of things that I was doing at that time, mostly with bands that were, um, uh, other town, other bands that were in town, either in Bellingham or in Seattle, and um, and that just sort of never really stopped as Death Cab turned into like a real thing, and we made our records, and um, yeah, I just made records with kind of the bands we were touring with, and whoever I met, and whoever reached out and was interested, and. Um, I mean, I, I love making records and I love doing creative work with people who want to do creative work. Uh, and I am, I'm ambitious in the sense that, uh, I'm really interested in making like durable, indelible classic records whenever I can try and you know it's like you're always sort of like working for that but i'm also like not um uh yeah i'm not like chasing down i'm not chasing down pop music for the most part uh every now and again some of it falls into my lap and it's kind of exciting but um <laughs> but yeah it's a it's it's been a a, a lot of like um, mostly following my nose i think and just sort of finding myself in a room with whoever I find myself in a room with and trying to figure out how, what, what is, what does the band sound like? <laughs> and how do we make a record? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've, um, when you were kind of starting Death Cabin and having the two kind of run concurrently alongside one another, um, some, I think, I imagine people do know the records I'm about to mention that you have uh, put your magical touch to. There was The Crane Wife by The Decemberists, um, mm-hmm. The Con by Tegan and Sarah. When you've got them running kind of side by side and you're also at, at the same time establishing and um, creating not just within Death Cab but also the kind of sound that I feel like has inspired a generation of other bands similar to Death Cab as well. Mm-hmm. Um when, when that's happening, how do you kind of determine what you want to work on and, and how you want to kind of spend spend that time? Because they are, those records are, and this is not to, I realise it sounds like I'm, um, uh, for lack of a better term, blowing smoke um, uh, up, up your bum, um, but uh, those records are classic. They are timeless. They do have a certain quality to them that are indelible, as you said. Mm. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, uh, I mean, like I was saying, it's like, you're sort of always, I, I feel like you're sort of always swinging for the fences. Like you're kind of like, um, I identifying the kinds of records that, um, like, I think it's, you know, there's sort of, it's a, it's, it's kind of a cliche. Like it's, I mean, it's a cliche to the point where like, it's a new U2 song, but it's like records, like <laughs> save your life. Like they're very important. And, um, and, and at the, you know, at the core of like 
any at, at the core of the work that any like serious um, musician or songwriter or band is doing is like whether you, whether they know it or not, like there's that that's a seed that's like in there, and and every great record like saves somebody's life in like a slightly different way, and I think that being really, uh, I mean I I work really emotionally. I'm not. I'm not like a super, I'm not always like a super <laughs> like rational level-headed kind of, um, uh, record producer and musician. I just like work from the gut and I just want to, I, you know, if, if something's like making my heart break, I just want maximum heartbreak. If something's like really, um, I, I, yeah, I just kind of want to max it out, whatever it is. Um, and, and I think that the, um, for me, like just trying to, trying to honor the range of, um, I get really bored when records have like one, just like a single color in an emotional spectrum. And the records that I'm the most excited about and probably the proudest of that I've worked on are the ones that really have a pretty, pretty big spread of emotion. Like there's real joy and there's real anger and there's real, um, real sadness and real complexity. And, and like those couple of records you mentioned, like the, um, I think particularly the con is really good at that. And it's one of the things about, um, Tegan and Sarah that I love the most is that, um, they just weren't, you know, they're not afraid of having, a real sort of like multi genre record, you know, it's like not something that you can pinpoint super easily. Like it's obviously like an indie sensibility, but there's, it's sort of all over the map. Um, and, and it was really interesting in like 2006, seven, eight, nine, making records like that because it was pre Spotify and nobody cared about playlists. And I find that, now there's a lot of concern about whether or not something fits on the record in a way that's like a little bit different from, uh, you know, where we were 10 years ago. And, um, and I, I, I still try really hard to like kind of break that down. It's like, you know, if you're a rock band and you want to do something that's like really, really quiet or like, really sort of like soul leaning or really like, you know, whatever it is, like whatever the experiment is, it's just like, it's coming from a, um, if you're interested in it, it's coming from a genuine place and it's really worth exploring and whether or not we get all the way there is, you know, I don't know, but it's, um, it's always worth, uh, worth the exploration. So. Do you you think that, I know some of the more recent like output from yourself or um, working with artists. I know there's been a few Australian artists like York and um, Japanese wallpaper that are a little bit Mm -hmm. more like pop, still indie, but like pop indie or indie pop, Mm -hmm. whichever way you want to kind of place it around. Um, Is that, I guess, where that kind of comes from in terms of um, pushing outside of, you know, like for, people in in a band guitar bass drums that kind of template almost 
Yeah. So um, I think like the thing about, um, I mean, the thing about York and the thing about um, Gab is that like, uh, and, and a handful of other like sort of pop or pop leaning artists I've worked with is that it's the, the thing that I'm interested in is the, um, it's the impulse and it's the kind of the spirit of what they're doing. And there's, there's a real difference between like, uh, a person or personality or whatever, whoever, who is after fame or who's like really chasing TikTok or whatever, um, versus somebody who's just really interested in expression and, and so, I mean, those things can like overlap, obviously. Um, but there's a, there's a real, um, yeah, there's a real, like, uh, I don't know. I think Gab particularly is just really interested in, um, just making sure that he's able to like, just translate whatever, whatever he's feeling or whatever the, you know, the artists that he's working with are feeling like through a pair of speakers. And, and that's like, that's all, that's the good stuff. That's like kind of all I care about. Um, and, and, and it's really, you know, it's just like fascinating that like the, um, uh, the Ameri- the younger American artists who that grew up on death Cab for cutie, who are making records and who are, um, you know, reaching out to me to work on projects tend to be, um, they tend to be guitar bands. Um, but I find that from other parts of the world, uh, the, they tend to not be guitar bands so much. They tend to be more pop leaning artists. And I think that's really interesting. Um, because guitars are just guitars and drums are still like such a part of the, uh, the landscape in the States. I mean, not like they're not elsewhere, but I think that there's a, yeah, I, I don't really know what that is, but it's sort of like, seems to be true. That is kind of fascinating. Uh, um, I always felt that death cab, um, sonically, and this is again to, without meaning to compliment yourself directly to you, um, like there was like a more textural production to it than more rock bands at the time, I guess. I think like a lot of those bands of the, well, and even before so, but when you guys were coming up in the early 2000s and were kind of like hitting that mainstream, a lot of rock bands were just brash noise where there was always a lot of um, plans and narrow stairs, a lot more texture to the mm-hmm. sound. So I wonder if that's kind of where those pop, more popular acts are kind of getting uh, that from. Yeah, it could be, I suppose. Um, I think that's probably some of it. I think that some of it is, um, like, I think that the Postal Service Association is part of it as well. Like, there are, there are a lot of people, like, there were a lot of people on board with Death Cab before Ben did the Postal Service record. Um, and then there were a lot of people who really weren't on board with death cab until the postal service record. So there's sort of a, like migration across this, like 
whatever that I'm not even sure what that line is, but, um, but there's, you know, like depending on how you came to, um, like our band or to, uh, Ben's sensibility as like a, a singer and songwriter, um, all of that has just sort of like filtered down through everything that, um, we did and that they continue to do and that I continue to do. And it's just sort of a, um, it's a real mishmash. It's really interesting. I, to be honest, and this is, I'm, I'm ashamed to say this. I didn't even make the connection with postal service. I kind of thought we're talking about your work and I did, I, um, I will admit I have a very small postal service tattoo on my arm and I did not even make that connection, which is embarrassing, Chris. So, Oh, it's all right. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with your own music, I know that we've um, received a uh, field manual in 2000 and, uh, 2008 and yeah. then we had tape loops in 2015 and that was yep. gorgeous as well. Again, very textural, very... Um, uh, very kind of expansive music. Like I put that album in the same category as maybe almost like Sigur Ross in a way. Like it's it's mm. cinematic. Um, yeah. Can we? And this is just. There's no. It's a terrible lead into this. But um, can we expect more music from you? Because obviously you're working behind the desks uh, for a lot of these people. But are we seeing you in front of the desks at any point soon? Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, there's, uh, my God, Simon, there's like hours and hours of stuff on the drives, but it's really, um, it's so challenging for me to prioritize my own, uh, my own songs and my own work, um, in part because it's, um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You know, it, it feels really, uh, it feels really extravagant. It's sort of like not, uh, it's not paying the bills and it's taking up time from things that do pay the bills. So it's just really hard to like, um, it's just really hard to make time for it. Um, and and also, I mean, why, uh, quite honestly, I just really have, I think like a lot of people do, have really struggled with the, like, oh, does anybody want this? Like, does it, you know, it's, uh, um, and, and if the, uh, one of my struggles is just like getting the, 
the producer part of my brain that believes so deeply in the work that the bands or artists who I'm working with, um, uh, cause I, I really do just invest so completely when I'm working on a record. I, um, you know, I really get inside of it and I really, um, I just really invest in the people who are working on it. And I'm really interested in like artist development and what are you doing and why are you doing it? And how can we, you know, how can we help you do it to the, you know, to the nth degree? And, and if the artist side of m- me could take a little bit of that and, and, and use it, it would be, I, I think there would be a ton of, records with my name on the front <laughs> but um that's just not you know it's kind of not how my brain works it's just not what i'm r- reaching for or prioritizing so um but short version like uh it'll happen i'm, I'm gonna get there yeah that, that's very exciting regardless of how you get there and when you get there just glad to know that uh, that there is a um a there to get to yes indeed yeah <laughs> yeah uh the other thing I wanted to chat about quickly, just um, before you very kindly made a playlist for us, so I want to get to that yeah. in a sec. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to get to two uh, special birthdays. I know that last week it was your birthday, so happy birthday. Yeah. Play for the second. Thank you. Of course. Um, and the other birthday was obviously, um, I think some people might have seen it in the news, that it was the 20th anniversary of the photo album for Death Cab. Yeah. Producing that record, is there anything that you kind of look back on your producer set of skills then and look back on or, and look at your own skills now and kind of any similarities or is it all just kind of like we back then we were going by the seat of our pants? Yeah. Um, so I, I spent most of my summer, uh, going through, uh, pull, pulling together that remaster and expanded reissue. So like revisiting the photo album in pretty granular detail. And, um, and it's so, it was really fascinating because for years and years I've had a, uh, kind of a complicated relationship with that record. It's the only record that we made when I was in the band where I felt like we had left something on the table okay. and, and, and I wasn't able to, I was never able to identify like exactly what it was, but I just feel like it was an un, not unfinished, but kind of undercooked somehow. Um, but it was really fascinating to go back to that record and uh, think through it and talk through it and listen to it and listen to all the demos and and actually like reconstruct the timeline of how and why it was made the way that it was. Um, the record before it, we have the facts when we're voting yes, was a was a really expansive, long process. Um, partly by necessity and partly by design. It's like, I, I really wanted to reach for something and I really wanted to kind of invent something. Um, and I think we did. And I think that that's still, uh, kind of my favorite death cab record. Um, 
but the photo album was uh it was it was made really quickly and it was uh you know all the way to the title of the album it was intended to be documentary to a degree like the sound of a band on the floor and and that's something that we had never really had the luxury to do before but we had a you know at that point we had a new drummer michael shore and we had we just moved into a um a studio the um the old john and Stu's reciprocal triangle building which is um you know we renamed the hall of justice in 2000 and i'm i still have that place in seattle i'm still in there um beautiful and yeah and and so it was uh um it but but it was the, the making of the record was sandwiched between two tours and we really only had um like 20 28 days to like do the whole thing which sounds like a lot of time now but it's um you know it's i i think it's it's a lot of time when you're the guitar player and the producer and the engineer. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you've got yeah. somebody kind of looking after all that stuff, it it goes a little quicker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but anyway, like I um I, I really like that record now. I like it more than I ever have. And I um I have a real uh appreciation for what it is and what it's not. Um and I, the things that I really like about it that I still try and hang on to are, um, I, I think it is actually a pretty good version of the, like, that sort of late 90s, early 2000s style of documentary um, record making. Um, and I think modest, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like a, it's there's just like nothing that's like maxed out about it sonically. It's just really conservative. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it listens pretty well. And I, um, I hope, I hope that some of it I've brought forward into the present. I'd, I'd like to think I, you know, there are things I like about it that I, um, I try and still do. So so yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but no, it a hundred percent does. hundred percent does. Um, Chris, would you be happy to talk about the playlist that you made for us? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. So this is a, it's, it's kind of a combination of things that, um, uh, things I've been listening to recently and evergreens and a little bit like I was talking about with, um, like with albums, like I just, I, I mean, this playlist is kind of all over the shop in terms of style, genre, energy, um, sensibility, presentation, like the whole thing. It's just sort of all of the above. Um, and it's, uh, but they're all things that I just um, like really love or really respect um, in you know in some way or another. So it's a yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, and a handful of things I've really just uh, really just stumbled into. like um, 
I've only just caught up with Cassandra Jenkins in the last uh, couple of weeks. And I just, I'm uh, like, I'm kind of gobsmacked at how good she is and how beautiful that record is. Um, I've heard, I'm not fully across Cassandra um, as of yet. We've had one or two guests pick her and I've heard bits and pieces and a gorgeous voice, but um, what was it about this song that made you, um, I guess, what what stood out from this song to put it on the playlist? Um, it's, it's got this kind of, um, I mean, it's got this kind of like, there's something that happens in grief, in mourning, where, um, where the running narrative in somebody's head becomes really flu like the sort of the stuff that you reach for and the images that you reach for and the the things that you um you know it's like it it i i have found that with uh friends who have passed it's um the balm is like never the same and you can never really predict exactly what it's going to be um what's going to really help you through it or who's really going to help you through it and of um of that i suppose yeah and the other thing about that cassandra jenkins uh track too um i mean part of the connection for me is uh uh is norway like a bunch of uh she wrote a bunch of that record in the south of norway um and that's just with american artists so um and there's a lot of like the way that she sort of thinks about the country and what it did for her, um, for her mental state and for her mental health is, um, really is something I can really relate to. Yeah. That sounds incredible. Yeah. The, um, the other track I wanted to talk to you about Chris was, um, one of my favorite tracks of, of the last year. And so I was excited when I saw it on here was um, Boomer by Barty Strange, which I think is just this, yeah, yeah, incredible track. I think kind of what you said earlier in our conversation and like that you want um, music to, to challenge you almost like a little bit. And I felt that this song does that in Mm -hmm. such a beautiful payoff. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. So uh, I, I was just introduced to Barty Strange pretty recently, actually. He, um, uh, my, um, yeah, I was working with my friend, um, Alex Nijakowski, who records under the name Cumulus. We were writing a song together and she, she flagged Barty's as, uh, um, Alex opened for Barty's on a handful of shows, like, uh, two years ago or something sort of before he kind of blew up. And, um, and so she introduced me to Bartiz world and then, um, actually it coincided, uh, Bartiz has been on tour with Lucy Dacus and they were coming through Seattle. So we went and saw the show and, 
I, I mean, I'm just like a lifelong fan. I'm a convert. Like the, the show was absolutely incredible. Simon, like it's amazing on stage. It's so good. It felt so, um, like it felt like I was watching, uh, yeah, it, it felt like I was watching the dismemberment plan kind of at the height of their powers. Um, it really had this like kind of really free, wild, like old DC sort of energy about it that I haven't seen a band actually do on a stage for a lot of years. Um, it was just, it was so, it was so muscular. It was so, uh, like fearless. And it was also like really, really sensitive and really emotional at different points. Um, I mean, again, like the, just that span of, um, uh, like kind of the, the emotional spectrum of it was just amazing. Um, and, and the crowd like kind of wouldn't let him get off the stage. I haven't seen a (laughs) sustained standing ovation for an opening act for so long. It was really incredible. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really in. Yeah. That that sounds incredible. I yeah. think that what yeah from all the accounts that we, we've heard in Australia is that the live show is incredible, but um when you can kind of translate that or that energy that you're just describing into even the recorded version kind mm-hmm. of gives you that mm-hmm. um that feeling. So it is it's um yeah, incredible track. Yeah. So one of the things about the track is it's recorded is that you sort of like um like Barty sort of bounces around between this like kind of um, like the verses are, uh, you know, obviously like quite serious and, um, but they're also really playful and they're like kind of floating around and you get this, um, you know, it's sort of like expansive and it spreads out and then you get to the chorus and he's in eye contact with you. And it gets really serious in a really specific way. And those kinds of energy changes inside of a song. um, I'm, I'm really into the idea of like eye contact in a song. Um, And when the artist, and I talk about this with bands all the time. It's like when you're singing something, it's like, who are you singing this to? And why are you singing it to them? And, um, you know, and, and not with the intention that like it needs to be, um, I think primarily with, uh, with eye contact as a, um, as a, as a motivation, because there is something about like thinking when you're visualizing actually that you are like actually face to face with somebody and sort of, sort of more or less like speaking directly to them. Um, it, things come out differently. Things get like, um, singers tend to get more serious. Um, and, and that like subtle change in, um, in attention and seriousness is so big for like the way that a record works. And, and so like, um, Bartiz just has that in spades across that record. Um, like he's just got such an incredible sense of like how and when to, um, how and when to like perform for an audience and when to be like kind of extravagant and big and bigger than the crowd. 
and then when to be like one of the crowd and like part of the crowd. Um, and, and that's just a gift. Like it's really incredible to watch. It's very cool. And it really does translate to the record too. That's the kind of, um, the kind of artist that I feel that has come out almost fully formed from the get go. I'm sure that there has been work and everything else put in beforehand. But sure, it, yeah. Yeah. Those artists are very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, thank you very much for your time today. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Yeah, for me too. Thank you so much, Simon. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Chris Waller for his time. His most recent solo record, Tape Loops, is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream the record. We also want to give a huge shout out to Connor at Next Wave Management for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of Chris's picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning, with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.